the gospel for this morning. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the baptizer came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were, wo were uh, woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his servant and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with his never-ending fire. This is an interesting Advent passage, is it? <laughs> as, we, as we remember from last time, Advent is a season of preparation. Advent is a season of expectation. Advent is a season of longing. And as such, we think that John the Baptist, or the baptizer, plays such an important role in preparing us for this, this longing and preparation and expectation for the coming of the Lord. In many ways, John the Baptizer is the original Advent. He's the one that's out there saying, prepare the way of the Lord, because there is one who is coming who is much greater than I am. And that is exactly what we do every single day of our lives, especially every single Sunday. We remind each other and we remember, prepare our way because the second coming is coming, right? We were talking last week, that we want to be the kind of people who are not entirely surprised and caught off guard when the second coming comes, right. right? When this peace that Scott was speaking about, when this abundance that Isaiah was speaking about, with this beautiful spring um, uh, pastures that, that, that Jess was reading about in the Psalms, when, when the kingdom of God comes, we don't want to be caught off guard and say, well, wait a second, what is all this peace and generosity? What is all this abundance and love and joy? We want to be the people that is actively preparing right now to receive the fullness of the kingdom of God. And we have to start within our, within our own selves. We have to start with developing and cultivating that joy that hope, 
that love and that peace within our own selves. That's where it starts. It starts with the way we talk to ourselves, with the conversations we tell about ourselves, with the way we remember ourselves, with the way we put down or not ourselves. And then from there, it goes to our nearest neighbors, our spouses, our parents, our siblings, our children. And then it ripples. Then literally your next neighbors, the people that live next to you, the people in the cubicle next to you, the people that you work with the most, and then the extended neighbors, the cashiers, and the people at the post office, and at Trader Joe's, or wherever you buy groceries. The coming of the Lord is the coming for God to reconcile the entire world to himself. Yes. But it starts with us having this reconciliation in our own selves. And that is something that I noticed about me this week. As I was getting ready to talk about this piece, I'm like, wait a second, you need to preach this piece to your own self first mm. this week, right? right? There cannot be peace out there in the world if there is no peace in here in us. Amen. And one of the things that God is doing for us and one of the things that Advent reminds us of is that Jesus is our Prince of Peace and He came to give us this peace and He's coming back again to deliver this full promise of peace. So in the middle of all this we find John, I call him the baptizer instead of the baptist because sometimes we get confused and we think that John was part of the now Christian community of Baptists that's not, they're not at all related. Uh, he was just known as the baptizer because he was actually baptizing people. Now, of course, Baptists baptize people, but so do every other Christian tradition out there. Um, but so John the baptizer is out in the wilderness. And remember, the wilderness has two different meanings here. It, it does mean the desert. It does mean the, where the wild things are. It does mean being out there. But if you remember, we were just talking about this earlier as before the, the service started. Um, the people of Israel were living in Egypt for a while and then they were brought out of Egypt. But then they were brought out not into the promised land yet. They were brought out to the wilderness. So the wilderness has this idea of liminality, of being in between, of not being neither here nor there. And John the Baptizer is really living and inaugurating this ministry of liminality, of not being present here or there. And in many ways, that reminds me a lot of us as a church, us as a, as a moment in time. We are not in the time of Jesus, but we're not full, fully into the second coming yet. We are in this moment of wilderness and of liminality, of living in the in-between and John is preaching out there in the, in the wilderness in the liminality. And he's saying to people, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Remember, John was cousins with Jesus. Yeah. Mary and uh, Elizabeth were cousins. They knew each other. This was a family over which God had already been working. So John the baptizer knew that Jesus was coming right after him. And John was only six months older than Jesus himself. 
So there was someone who was younger than him, but was bigger and greater than John the Baptizer was. And he was saying to the people, repent of your sins and turn to God. And then Matthew, the gospel writer, tells us, he identifies John with Isaiah, and he says, John was like Isaiah, saying, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. And then we see what John is doing, and John is playing a really interesting role here. He is a really interesting, just a commoner, right? He's wearing, wearing these camel hair clothes, which was what people, the Bedouin community of that time, the people that lived in the outskirts, that's what they would wear. Nothing fancy, nothing purple, not a lot of stones, just very commoner's clothes to be wearing in the desert. He would just wear his leather belt. He ate whatever food he would find out there, just bugs and wild honey. I don't know about the bugs, but I love honey. So I think the honey tastes really good. Like I can see that, that, that's, that sounds yummy. I also don't want to think about how you get wild honey, because I'd rather buy my honey at Hannaford's than having to go get it. But this is what he's eating. And then something interesting starts happening. People from the city, people from around the temple, people who are supposed to be the people that kind of have these established uh, systems already, they are coming out into the desert and into the wilderness to see John the Baptist preach. This is like the and then we have all over, the, all over this people and all over the valley, people are coming to him. And this is what I love about John. He says, verse 6, And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. We, we just did a little bit of this earlier today, but this is something, a tradition that is often not very present with us in, in, in our you know, segment of, of Christianity where we inhabit. But this idea of confessing our sins is so powerful. And I think it has to do with this idea of peace. Confessing our sins is just simply telling the truth mm -hmm. about what is out there. It's balancing the equation. When we confess our sins, when we tell the truth of what we have done, why we did it, and what we have experienced, then there is balance and there is peace. Right? I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes, I mean, hypothetically, it could have happened in my family, but... Maybe I did something, or my wife Nicole did something, but I didn't say anything to her, and I'm kind of like a little mad inside, but I haven't told her what's wrong, and I'm thinking, it's fine, it's fine, she won't know. But she knows, right? Because it's unbalanced. Because I haven't, I haven't confessed that. I haven't said, hey, I'm annoyed at you because you did this or you did that, right? Often, we think that we can go about our world with this unbalance and think that we're going to find peace. But the truth is that as long as we don't come to terms with our reality, we're not going to find Very peace. True. This spirituality that John is telling us is a really interesting spirituality. He's saying if you want to be ready for the coming of the Messiah, tell the truth. 
Tell the truth about how you're feeling. Tell the truth of what you've done. Tell the truth of when you've missed the mark. Tell the truth of why you did what you did. Confess your sins. Sometimes you just have to admit and say, hey, I'm sorry I snapped at you. I was hungry. I'm sorry I snapped at you. You don't deserve that. I'm sorry I was rude. I'm just a rude person sometimes. Right? There is something so beautiful about a person who has developed this egolessness about themselves that says, yeah, I, I lied. I have an issue with lying and sometimes I lie. I should have not done that. No embellishing, no excuses, no creating a story, better yet, no gaslighting, right? Well, I lied because you made me lie. And putting it on someone else, that, that's like the worst. What John is calling us to be is a community of people that tell the truth to ourselves about ourselves and tell the truth to our community about ourselves and about what we are doing. Now, I want to be clear, this does not mean that we just go around just like putting all of our worst secrets out there and traumatic experiences. That, that, that's not what that is. There are, there are appropriate times and context for that. But it is a sense that the John the Baptizer community and the early community was a people that was a lot less egocentric than maybe some of us are, at least that I am. A lot less concerned for what other people might think of me. But it was a people that was actually constantly telling the truth. Mm -hmm. I said this. I should not have said it. No excuses. I acted like this. I should not have acted like that. No excuses. Imagine what our communities would be like if we become people that confess our sins to God and to the appropriate people, the people that we have sinned against. We would be a community that's more at peace because there's balance. Because there's no imbalance there. We will be a people where there's forgiveness because there's balance. Often, the lack of peace that you and I feel comes specifically from this lack of balance, lack of compassion that we may be experiencing in our lives. So then, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, y'all know I love the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They, they don't like John the Baptizer, right? Remember, they're saying, wait a second, we have a whole system here. We have a temple, and we have doves that you can buy, and we have rams that you can buy, and we have lambs that you can buy. If you sin this way, you get this animal. If you sin that way, you get this animal. But then you have to exchange money to get the, to be able to buy the things, and that's how we're making money. And you have to buy access to the temple. And John is saying, you don't need all that. All you need to do is just confess your sins. And repent. Amen. Turn to God. Amen. And I will baptize you. Skip it. The Sadducees don't like it. They're threatened by it. They're threatened by a God who is so willing to be so forgiving that all it takes is just to tell the truth and to say the same thing about our actions that God is saying about our actions. That's radical. That's all it takes. 
You don't have to do any specific action except for just to tell the truth to God about your condition and what you have done. And there is peace and forgiveness there. So then John, in another very peaceful way, he calls them brood of vipers or snakes. I'll finish by this. There is something interesting here where John is saying, you think that you are safe because you are descendants of Abraham. You think that your ethnicity keeps you safe. You think that your racial identity keeps you safe. God doesn't care. God could raise sons and children of Abraham out of these stones and these rocks. Because God's promises towards all people and God's people. Lastly, in verse 11, I baptize, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. This is the promise of Advent for us. That someone is coming soon again. He already came, but he's coming back. He is so much greater than, than, than John the baptizer, baptizer was. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in with fire. I love this idea. You and I have been baptized not just with water. And those of us who have been baptized, we have been baptized with water. But we have also been dipped, baptized, entirely dunked into the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Amen. And the fire of God that yes. is constantly purifying us. Amen. And that's why this act of confessing of sins is so important. Because it is the fire of God actively in us purifying us, Amen. helping us to tell the truth, helping us to, to, lesser, to lessen our pride, helping us to let the Spirit of God abide in us and live in us. Right. One of the most important things that we can get from this is that the Spirit of God works in us whenever the Spirit of Eduardo is lessened. <laughs> the bigger my spirit is, the bigger my voice is, the smaller the Spirit of God is going to be in me. And obviously, I'm not talking about the size. I'm talking about the influence. Right? I have a whole lot more of me to lessen. Amen. I care so much about me and what other things, others think about me and what others might think about me. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I can go home and redraw the whole day worth of conversation and make a whole new story about what happened that day because I'm so concerned over the one joke I said or the one comment I said. Mm -hmm. And that produces that lack of peace. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of God works in us when the fire of God is refining us. Amen. Clearing all of those things away from us. Amen. And the invitation of God for us this morning is to, is to accept the peace of God that comes through confession. Amen. Through telling the truth. Through developing a spirituality that is humble. That is based on the reality that we're humans and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make to say mean things. We're going to do the wrong things. If you're expecting your children to never make a mistake, you're going to be miserable. 
miserable and you're gonna lack peace. If you're expecting your spouse to be perfect, you're not gonna have peace. If you're expecting your job to be perfect, you're not gonna have peace. The peace of God comes when the fire of God is refining our hearts to tell the truth. So that we let the Spirit of God work. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, we, we pray for peace this morning. Not just momentary peace, but that perfect peace that only you can give. The perfect peace where we are saying the exact same thing about our condition that you are saying. On the one hand, that we have missed the mark sometimes, and we have. And on the other hand, that you love us, that you accept us, and that you're calling us to you, and you have. May we be a people that is constantly working and lessening our egos, <gasps> lessening our own spirits, and yielding and making way for your spirit to work in us. May we be a people that becomes Tender, softer, more forgiving, Amen. more merciful, Amen. because of our constantly confessing of sin. Amen. May we be a people that is not scandalized by sin the way you're not scandalized. May we be a people that is constantly living at peace with ourselves and with you. God, for those really, really hard equations to balance in our lives, for the really heartbreaking things that some of us are experiencing or have experienced, we ask for your perfect peace to intervene and to make things right. For those of us who right now are struggling to make peace with ourselves, May your voice be present in us, and may you remind us that you have called us your children, you have called us beloved, and in you and in the work of Jesus Christ, you have reconciled all things for yourself, Amen. even the worst of us, Amen. even the things about us that we might be ashamed of. So Lord, this Advent season, may we prepare our hearts and our ways to be ready for your coming, to be ready for the Prince of Peace to come and to abide and to be here with us and to be our Emmanuel. Amen. Be with us this week, Lord. Amen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.